So, um, we will continue today uh, looking at 1 Peter, and you saw there that the whole concept is that we are looking at uh, people with a purpose, and this is kind of what Peter talks about throughout the whole letter. Um, So, two years ago, a little over two years ago, is when my wife and I moved to Denver to start this church. And when I first got to Denver, did two things. The first thing was ate a lot of Chick-fil-A because they don't have that in Seattle. And so ate, and I can't, I'm really not supposed to eat it because I've got gluten issues, but I did it anyway. So ate a lot of Chick-fil-A, that was the first thing. And then second thing was that I met with hundreds of people just to ask them questions about Denver, just to learn. Um, What do you think about Denver? What do you know about Denver? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? And one of the questions that I asked sometimes, not to everybody, but that I asked um, was, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And that's a just kind of an interesting question to ask. And uh, I remember asking this one guy, he was not a Christian, I don't, he wasn't sure, he was kind of agnostic, wasn't sure what he thought about God, and asked him, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And he said, um, I would ask him why, like if he made us, if we're here, why are we here, kind of uh, what, what's our purpose, what are we supposed to be doing, like why... What do you want us to do? What's our purpose? Why are we here? And that's, that's really what we're looking at with First Peter. And it's a really important question. Because if you don't know purpose, then you don't know how something is supposed to be used. I mean, that's true with anything. If you don't know the purpose of a candle, then you just kind of look at it and don't know what to do with it. If you don't know the purpose with a TV, I mean, it just kind of stands there. If you don't know the purpose with your life, then you don't know what to do with your life. I mean, purpose orients us to what, what are we actually supposed to do? And so that's the question that we're looking at throughout the letter of First Peter that he writes to the church. And specifically tonight, I mean, Peter really talks about this throughout the whole letter, but specifically tonight, he even gets more specific. And here's what we've looked at the last three weeks. We looked at that, that Peter says, God, if you're a Christian, God has saved you. That he's brought you into his family. He saved you, and then one day uh, you will experience fully that salvation. And that's heaven with God face to face, okay? So he's done that. And then right now in the middle of this world, he's, he wants us to live with hope and with holiness and with love. And, and that's what he's doing. And then last week we talked about that kind of what, what is God building? And, it's, and Peter says that God's building people into a temple, a place where God's presence is experienced. So th- those are some of the things that God is doing, that he's been doing. But what's the purpose? Like what... What are we supposed to do? Why did God save us? Why does he want holiness? Why does he want love? Why, does he, why is he building us into a temple? Kind of all these different things. What's, what's the purpose? That's a really important question. So let's look at what Peter tells us tonight. And then we're going to really just look at one big concept that he talks about and kind of go in depth in it. So this is First uh, Peter chapter 2. And if you've got a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you can keep the one in front of you. Um, that's... Uh, a cheap present for you. Um, but if you do have a Bible, keep it open to this because we'll be kind of, I won't keep it up on the screen, but we'll be keep continuing to look at it. So here's, here's what he says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, we talked about those concepts the first week, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. That just means anyone that's not a Christian honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So here's what I want to talk about. We'll talk about this whole thing, but there's this one concept in here that is really important. That is kind of the whole thing that he says, uh, you Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want to talk about this concept of darkness, okay? So if, you were, if you're wearing black today, then you, you got with the theme. It's good, okay? So I see a couple of you. Good job. Um, and here's the thing with darkness. Nobody likes it, right? I mean, you might like going out at night and that kind of thing, but nobody likes darkness. Kids are often afraid of the dark, um, one thing I was thinking about this week is if you want to scare somebody, I don't, maybe, so I'm going to expose myself right now and you might all think I'm a freak, but I'll just tell you anyway. So when growing up, we love to scare each other as kids, we love to hide, turn off the lights, jump out behind a corner and scare each other. Okay. Me and my brothers, that's what we liked to do. It was a fun game. Let's scare each other and create fear in another person's heart. It's great fun, right? And so then I just grew up doing that. So when I got married, I was like, well, that's, I want to have fun with my wife too. So, um, so would maybe she was coming home from work and I'd shut off the lights and hide somewhere and jump out and scare her, right? Isn't that normal? No. Okay. We don't teach that in the marriage class, I promise. But Um, but I quickly realized I was going to kill my wife because she would almost have a heart attack and die. And so then we started doing different things where I wouldn't scare her anymore. We made an agreement of that very quickly into our marriage. Um, and I'd have to come home and jingle the keys or something as I'm coming in because she's already jumpy and doesn't really need me to scare her. I scare her just by walking in the door and, but she still gets scared anyway. But, but the whole thing was darkness. If I want to scare somebody, if I want to, let's use darkness. And even culturally, darkness is something that we don't think of as good. I mean, here's just a couple things that, uh, that we think of when we think of darkness. These are just some headlines from Buzzfeed. Okay. The new dark arts section at the Harry Potter London studio tour will give you a, whatever that says. Um, so this is dark arts, okay? That, that means things that are bad, right? It's like black magic. You think it's not good. Or 52 deliciously dark comedies you should see before you die. These films are dark, depraved. So darkness is associated with depravity and things not being good. Or what kind of goth should you be? Step inside this dark, twisted quiz, so it's, I mean, darkness is associated with twisted and not right. And um, can we guess your darkest secret? So, I mean, you don't think of that as a good thing, right? I mean, your darkest secret. Um, here's another one. 46 life-changing things that happen at a One Direction concert. <laughs> There's no life before One Direction. There is only darkness, then light. Um, that, I mean, it's, that's, they're joking there, I hope, but I mean, it's just saying darkness is bad, right? I mean, culturally we have an idea. We, I mean, we'll look at what the Bible says about darkness, but culturally there's just an idea that darkness is bad. 
Darkness is not something good. If you go into Google Images and you look for images of darkness, here's some images of darkness. There's my first one. Um, that, I mean, that's just a joke. Um, then uh, here's, here's a second one. I mean, it's just kind of a, if you just type in dark, I mean, that guy doesn't look very happy, right? I mean, if I told you I was going to introduce you to someone and they were the king of darkness, you wouldn't go, oh, that guy sounds like a nice guy, right? I mean, it's, darkness is bad. Where there's, I mean, these are the top images. So there's like some sort of weird feathery thing holding a baby and taking it away. Creepy, right? An eyeball. I mean, these are just, this, this is not making you happy right now, right? I mean, it's, it's freaky. That, I don't know what that is. I mean, a rat, if, if I ever saw that, actually, that would be really, I mean, if you saw a snake, that'd be scary. If you saw a snake with a gun, it'd be very scary. So here's what the Bible says about darkness. That's just to kind of culturally orient us that we already know darkness equals bad, right? I mean, we're all on the same page with that. You don't have to be a Christian to agree with that. Darkness as a concept equals bad. Peter says that God calls us out of darkness. God calls us out of darkness. Now, here's what that means. Because the Bible talks about darkness in all sorts of ways. And here's some of the things it says. Darkness is akin to foolishness. So the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So if you're wise, you know where you're going. If you're wise, you know what life should look like, what you should do. The, the best decisions to make. But this says the fool walks in darkness. So part of what the Bible means when it talks about darkness is just foolishness. You're just stupid. You just do dumb things. Also, this is kind of going to go from a bad to worse, okay? Ignorance. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. So you just don't know. We talked about this, um, I think last week, where Peter talks about our former ignorance, that there's ignorance that we grew up with. We thought things were good and they're not good. We thought things were wise and they're not wise. We thought things were loving and they're not loving, that there's just ignorance. You just don't know what you're doing. Ignorance. Ignorance is like that I didn't realize what that word was earlier until I just read it up here. That's ignorance, just not knowing on the, on the BuzzFeed slides, okay? That's ignorance. Suffering and slavery. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel, counsel of the Most High. So this says that people are in darkness and that they're prisoners in affliction. So they're suffering. If, I mean, sometimes if you would say this word of like, man, I went through a really dark time. That's kind of, there's this, it feels like you're trapped. It feels like you're enslaved. It feels like you're suffering. That's a way to talk about darkness. Disobedience. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. The Bible uses darkness like this a lot of times. It will say that we are children of darkness. It will say that there are deeds in darkness, that there's, there's this idea of evil and darkness being equated. So, I mean, he mentions some things specifically, perverse speech and forsaking the paths of uprightness, rejoicing in evil. 
So darkness has this idea of just general disobedience that God says, here's the way to live, but we walk in the dark. We do things in darkness. Hate. First John says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if you have hate in your heart, if when you think of another person, you want ill for them, this is what hate is. Hate is that you don't want good for someone. You want bad for them. Doesn't mean you necessarily want them to get hit by a truck, but you don't want good for them. When you think of them, you think, I hope bad comes to them. And that can be in the moment or it can be in general. Maybe some people crossed your minds right now, even as I said that. That's darkness. John says that hatred in our hearts is darkness. Gets worse. Uh, power of Satan, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It says that we live in this world where we see flesh and blood, but that there's another world, a spiritual world, where there's a battle taking place, and that that's referred to as darkness. This is where the term, uh, like the prince of darkness and those kind of names for Satan come from. Judgment. This is God's judgment, when God will bring judgment against the earth. The fifth angel, this is from the last book of the Bible, Revelation. The fifth angel poured out his bowl. It's like a, just a metaphor of judgment. He poured out his bowl on the throne of beast, the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People nod their tongues in anguish, which sounds horrible. If you've ever bit your tongue, I mean, gnawing, just think about gnawing on your tongue in anguish and curse the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. So people that do not repent will experience God's judgment, which is called darkness, that God will bring darkness to them. And then finally, hell. Hell itself is called darkness. It said, this is Jesus telling a story. Jesus tells this parable. And at the end, the conclusion is this. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Bible talks about hell many times as outer darkness. This place that's eternally dark. So this is what the Bible means when it talks about darkness. All of these types of things, foolishness, ignorance, disobedience, judgment, hell, God's wrath, suffering. I mean, all of these different constellation of images and words all around the idea of darkness. Does that make sense? I mean, this is what Peter is talking about when he says that God called us out of darkness. So I want you to think about your life. Think about your life. Maybe before you became a Christian, maybe right now, and maybe you're not a Christian, maybe right now. And some of those things, maybe some of those images actually ring true for you. Or maybe it's, you didn't even realize that's what God called you out of. But this is what the Bible says is darkness. All of these types of things. We live in ways we shouldn't live. We live with folly. We live rejecting God. We live with hate in our hearts. All of these types of things is what the Bible refers to as darkness. And this is where Peter says we were, or if you're not a Christian, where you are. 
But that's not the end of the story. Because what Peter says is that God calls us out of darkness into light. And light has positive connotations. Even in our culture and definitely in the Bible. It's not the end of the story. That God calls us out of darkness into light. And here's, here's what happens. In the Old Testament, it is prophesied. Meaning it is told that one day a light will come into the darkness. Over and over again, the prophets say, light will come into the darkness. Then when Jesus comes on the scene, when Jesus is born, it's announced light has arrived. And then as Jesus grows and he gets older, Jesus begins to speak and say that he brings light. Here's what Jesus says. A couple things. I mean, he says many things about light, but here's what he says. He says, I have come into the world as, and I want you to think about all the stuff we talked about with darkness. And here's what Jesus says. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So I'm coming to bring light so you don't have to stay in folly and hate and judgment and wrath and, and all of that stuff. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So here it's saying that light is this thing that brings us life, that light is the opposite of all that we spoke of, of what darkness is. And Jesus says, I'm bringing that. It was prophesied he would bring that when he's born. It's announced that he's the light. And then he, when he starts his ministry, when he starts to proclaim, he says, you know all that darkness? I'm changing that. You know all that darkness? I'm getting rid of that. Just like a flash. I mean, if you go into a room and you bring a flashlight, wherever you shine it, the, the darkness is gone. There's no such thing as a, 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 a flash dark. You can't shine dark on things. Light, when it comes into something, always gets rid of dark. And Jesus says he is the light for the world's darkness. And then, as people accept this, he says, if you believe in me, if you walk with me, if you follow me, you will not stay in that darkness. And that's what Peter says. He calls you out of that darkness into light. And here's what happens. Here's what Paul says in Colossians. Listen to how he talks about light and darkness. This is prayer for the church. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Very similar to what Peter says. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, here's what happens. As people, it's Jesus says, okay, I bring light. If you walk with me, you have light and you don't have to stay in the darkness. What happens is there's a whole new identity created that now you are children of light, it says elsewhere, and an inheritance in the saints in light that you're no longer a part of the domain of darkness, but we're in a kingdom of light now, of his beloved son. And this is what Peter says. So Peter starts going through all of these titles before he says that God calls us out of darkness into light. Peter says that you are a chosen 
race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. He, he starts naming all of these things, a whole new identity that we are. See, darkness, our identity is we are children of darkness. We're foolish. We're ignorant. We have hate. We have, I mean, all, that, there's wrath and judgment. That's all of it. It's a whole, it's a whole domain. Darkness isn't just an internal reality. It is that, but it's a whole country that we live in. I'm not referring to America. I'm just referring spiritually. We live in a domain of darkness. It's our entire identity. But what Jesus does is he takes us from that kingdom into an entirely new kingdom where now all these new things are true. It's an entirely new identity, Peter says. You see, he, Peter gives all of those different titles if you, have the, the, if you have Peter still open, where he says these are the things that are true of us, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That we experience that as we experience God's forgiveness, the transferring, the moving, And what's interesting is all of those things that Peter names, they counter all of the kind of subjective experiences we have in the darkness. So Peter says, you're a chosen people. And in darkness, we feel rejection. We feel like we're always on the outside. We can feel like, I mean, just think about your life. I mean, there's this fight to be accepted. There's a fight for people to like you. There's a fight to be significant. There's a fight to be successful. There's a fight to get on the in crowd. That's an experience of darkness. And Peter says, you know what? When God brings you into light, all of that goes away. You are now chosen. Instead of feeling lowly, you're royal. Instead of feeling like you have to fight for everything and earn everything, you have mercy. Instead of feeling like you don't belong, you're God's people. That's the experience of light. It flips darkness completely on its head. It's an entirely new identity that defines our entire existence. We are moved from one. You got to think about this. Christianity is an entirely new identity. Sometimes the way we think about what it means to be a Christian, I heard this great analogy that oftentimes, if you think about your life as a file cabinet, Christianity becomes this folder that we put in the file cabinet of our life. So we've got our marriage, and we've got our family, and we've got our career, and then, okay, you know what? Christianity would be a nice file to put in the file cabinet. That's a good addition. I think it might help my life. I think it might make me more moral. I think it might give me some friends. I think it might, it would be a good file to add to the cabinet. That's often how we view it. But what Peter is saying and what Paul says here and what Jesus says is, no, Christianity is, you have an entirely new file cabinet. It is the file cabinet. It's your entire life that everything else goes inside of. It's an entirely new kingdom that everything else goes inside of or, or doesn't go inside of. That some things don't fit anymore. Some things can't be a part of that file cabinet. Because it's an entirely new identity. Listen to what Peter says. He says, you're a chosen race. So all of us in here have a race. But what Peter says is now you have a new race. Doesn't mean our old race is unimportant, but it means the Christian race takes precedence over everything else. It's a new identity, which should eradicate racism. He says that you are a holy nation, which means there shouldn't be 
a nationalism in our hearts that says, my country is the best, your country is dumb. You can be proud to be an American, that's great. But it means that the Christian nation, not talking about America, the Christian nation of Jesus' kingdom is what takes precedence. That everything, our, we have an entirely new identity. Nothing comes first. Not your race, not your background, not your country, not your affinity, not, not anything. There's an entirely new file cabinet for your life. Entirely new kingdom, an entirely new nation. This is what Peter is getting at. That when we enter into light, it shifts and changes and transforms our very identity. And that it's, it's a community thing. See, all the things that Peter lists are, I mean, they're community. You're a nation, you're a race, you're a people. It's not this individualistic thing. He says, I am creating, this is what we talked about last week, a people, a kingdom. So this is, we have this whole new identity as we go into light and a new experience. So think about all the things I listed of what darkness is. Light is the opposite of all of that. And I won't go through all the teaching on the Bible on light, but light, instead of foolishness, is wisdom. I mean, the, the Bible talks about how God's word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. So and when we walk with Jesus in the light, we see clearly that light is love. We, we don't have to hate other people now. God has changed our hearts so that there's love. That we don't have God's judgment upon us anymore. Instead, it's just God's love, his light. We're in, we're, we are in the inheritance of the saints in light. Jesus is light. We're in him. That everything that darkness is, light is the opposite. There's love and wisdom and truth and grace and community. And I mean, all of these things is what light is. So Peter says this. He says, God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which is to say, because Jesus has come, you now have a new identity, light instead of darkness, and you have an entirely new experience, light, instead of all that darkness is. So how did Jesus do that? Peter says that God calls us out of darkness into light. It says here he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. How does Jesus do that? How does he move us from darkness to light? Jesus entered into darkness. Here's what it says. Here's what Jesus says right as he's about to get crucified. So he's in the garden and these people come to take him, to uh, put him on uh, a trial and then take him to the cross. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to the, high, the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him. So they're going to arrest him and take him to the cross. And he says, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. So Jesus refers to him about to go to the cross is darkness. And then here's what happens on the cross. Now from the sixth hour, so this is Jesus on the cross. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So how did Jesus bring us from darkness to light? He himself went into darkness. He, he literally took darkness on himself. The moment that Jesus goes to the cross, he knows as light I am now entering into the power of the darkest of darkness. Everything that we listed out of what darkness is, folly and hatred and judgment, Jesus took all of that on the cross. This is as if you have a bright light that somehow is completely subsumed in darkness. That's what Jesus did. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, that he became sin. It does not mean that he sinned, but he took sin into himself on the cross. That he took all of the darkness, all of the foolishness and the ignorance and the hatred and the judgment and the experience of the absence of God. Took all of that on himself on the cross. That's what he did. How did Jesus bring us from darkness to light? He went into darkness and became darkness and took darkness onto himself. That's the only way that you and I have an experience of light is that Jesus said, I will go into the darkness. I will take it on myself and become the darkness. And to do that, he died. He experienced ultimate darkness. He experienced death. But he then defeated death. He resurrected to life, to light. So why did he, why did he do that? Why, did he, why would he do that for us? What Peter says is this. It's mercy. You once were not a people and now you're a people. You once had not received mercy and now you have received mercy. Which means this. He did this for us not because of anything in and of ourselves, not because we deserve it in any way, which this is really important because none of our relationships work like this. Peter's quoting from the Old Testament and we won't get into all of what he's quoting, but he's quoting a verse where God tells the, the, Isra- the Jewish people, Israel, he tells them, you're going to be my people. They say, well, why am I going to be your people? It's not because you're important. It's not. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you're beautiful. It's not because of anything in you. Well, why? Because I love you. That's not how any of our relationships work. Like if I tell my wife, I want you to be my wife. Why? Well, it's not because you're pretty. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you're kind. Why? I just because. It's not, that doesn't sound very romantic, Right? <laughs> That wouldn't work well in a poem. <laughs> you are not pretty. You are not smart. You are not, <laughs> but I love you. I mean, the, only, the closest way we have that is with children. I mean, you, a child comes and you say, I love you, child. Why? Because I love you. I mean, that's, they haven't done anything yet. They're not impressive. They haven't gotten any trophies in sports. They haven't done anything cool. They might not even look pretty. They might look all cheesy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you just say, I love you. Why? Because I love you. They don't say why, but you can imagine that question in your head. That's what God says. God says, I love you. Why? Because I love you. He gives us mercy 
So Jesus takes darkness onto himself and takes us out of darkness into light. Why? Once you had not received mercy and now you've received mercy. So even as I was going through darkness, I don't know everybody in this room, if you were feeling like, yeah, that's me. And that's why I can't be close to God because I'm in darkness. God says, I take people out of darkness. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. Yeah, you're right. And that's called mercy. That Jesus comes into darkness and says, hey, all you got to do is put your trust in me. You, all you got to do is say, hey, I want you to take away my darkness. I believe on the cross. You took away my darkness. And, and that's it. That's mercy. You trust him to take away the darkness instead of trying to get it out of yourself. That's good news. So that's what Peter says of why. Why he did that. And here's, I'll just, I mean, this is an important thing. I mean, if, if you know when, um, if you go to the eye doctor and you, uh, they dilate your pupils. Have you ever had that experience? Um, and then you walk out, if you don't get sunglasses, you walk outside and you're just disoriented and you can't see anything and you're just, oh, I'll drive home anyway. And, you know, and so, yeah, you know that experience? Okay, I can tell some of you do. Um, some wives are nudging their husbands. You, you know, um, here's what happens with this. This is like this. The greater the experience of your darkness, the greater just kind of mind-blowingness the light is. So if you kind of think, well, it's just kind of dark, then you don't feel the marvel of the light. Peter says that he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But if you kind of just look at your life and go, well, yeah, you know, that's kind of in darkness, then you're going to think, well, yeah, the light's kind of nice. But if we really see the, the reality that, man, apart from Jesus, I'm a wreck. Apart from Jesus, I'm everything the Bible says darkness is. Then your eyes can't, I mean, it's like staring into the sun. Because you come out of such darkness. And, and this is true of every single one of us. So I'm not saying you have to have this horrible life. But I'm saying in our hearts, that is the true condition of all of our hearts until Jesus changes us. So the more you see, this is me apart from Jesus, the more you see how amazing and marvelous his light is. So what's the reason though? Why does he do all that? Because we're talking about purpose and Peter talks about purpose. He says he calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's the reason? Why does he do all that? And the answer is to share that light with others. See, there's a big so that. This is really important. He says, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're people for his own possession. You belong to God. That's amazing. You belong to God. He calls you out of the darkest of dark. He entered into the darkness. He took on the darkness to bring you into his marvelous light. Why? Why would you do this? Peter says, so that you may proclaim his excellencies. That's really important. I mean, because if, if we miss it, we just think, thank you, that was nice. It's just kind of warm, fuzzy. But Peter says, so that God does something in you 
to do something through you. This is how God always works. I mean, you read the Bible, always works this way. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. God loves us, that way we can love others. God cares for us so we can care for others. God blesses us so we can bless others. There's always this, it's never supposed to terminate with us. It's always supposed to pass through us what God does. So Peter says, God called you out of darkness and brought you into his light so that you would proclaim his excellencies so that you would share that light. A great example of this is Paul, the apostle Paul who wrote, many of the letters in the New Testament. And here is what it said. Paul, Paul is arrested and he's talking. He's kind of on trial. Okay, and he's, he's explaining to the king what happened to him to make him this person that's telling everybody about Jesus. So here's what he says. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. He was on his way to capture Christians and to kill them. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. It's Jesus. Brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand up to your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. Look how similar this is to the passage that Peter said. This is all throughout the Bible. I've appeared to you for this purpose. I've brought light to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me." This is, a, this is a individual example of what Peter then says is true for all of us. That we experience light, Jesus, so that we proclaim his excellencies. He says, this is the purpose. I brought you this light so that you would be a missionary. The word witness there is missionary. So that you would be a witness. So that you would that you would. Tell people about me so that their eyes are opened and they go from darkness to light. That what I did to you, light for you, that you would then do that to others. That you would go tell them about me. That you would show them about me so that just like I'm doing with you right now, other people would experience darkness to light. This is the purpose that I give to you. And then Paul lived his whole life doing that. That's what Paul spent his whole life doing. And this is amazing. I mean, think about the, this, this calling that he gives to him. Like if this is really true, if you're a Christian, we say, I believe the Bible. Okay? If this is actually true, think about how awesome this is. The commission that Jesus gives to Paul, which then Peter gives to all of us, is this. Go be sent 
to tell them about me so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Think, I mean, don't you want to be a part of that? That's an amazing, like if that is true, if we take him at his word, that we are sent to help bring people from the power of Satan to God. That's amazing. Like that's, I don't care what your job is. I don't care what your, uh, I don't care what you enjoy doing. That's an amazing calling. That Jesus says, I'm sending you with a purpose to bring people from the power of Satan to God. To open blind eyes. That's amazing. I mean, that's something that should get us out of bed in the morning if we believe that that's the commission that has been given to us. So, Peter says, God has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we would proclaim his excellencies, which is here, the perfect example, to share his light, to share that light. How do we do that? Peter says we do that with with two things, with our words and with our life. With our words is the actual word proclaim, which means it's verbal content. Sometimes people say something like, well, I'm just going to live a good life and people will then, you know, see my example and and that's my witness. I'm going to be a good witness by my life. Okay, that's a piece of it. But proclaim is actual words. It's verbal content. Paul, after this, didn't go, okay, Jesus, I'm going out. I'm going to live a good life. I mean, he, when Jesus said, go speak about this, he meant, go speak about this. When Peter says that we would proclaim, he means that we would open our mouths and speak about Jesus, which is very important. It's not just speak. See, sometimes I think we proclaim, if you're a Christian, you may proclaim God's blessings. Ah, God's blessed me with this and God's blessed me with that and God's blessed me with this. And you may proclaim even that you believe in God. I believe in God. But what Peter says is that we proclaim Jesus. We proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We open our mouths and say, here's how awesome Jesus is. Now, here's what's interesting. You don't have to teach anybody to do that with anything else. Whatever you love, you speak about. If you've got kids, no one puts you through a class of how to post pictures of them on Facebook. You just do it. No one taught you and said, hey, let me just walk you through this. Okay, you love your children now, and so it'd be good uh, four times a day to post pictures of them on Facebook. No one walks you through that. You just did it. Okay, and some of you don't have kids. And so it's other things. It's, it's your favorite sports team. So it's kind of football season right now, and it's, there's posts about football. Or it's just, an, I mean, every, look, the, the world marketing system knows this. That's why every single thing has a share button. Because if you love it, you will share it. I mean, that, that's just what's out there. I shared something this week on Facebook about a leech that eats worms, and I thought it was cool, so I shared it. 
I don't, I don't know if I would say I loved it, but I thought it was excellent. And so I shared it. Um, it's really cool, actually. Not for the worm, but for the leech. <clears throat> Whatever you love, you open your mouth and speak about. Isn't, I mean, isn't that true? I mean, that's, you don't have to receive training or coaching in that, in anything in life that you love. So what, why then, as Christians, is that a struggle? Whatever you love, you share about. So we have to go back to the heart then and go, I must not know him enough to see how excellent he is. Or maybe I don't love him the way I say I do. I mean, I want you just to think about that, okay? I want you to think about what do you share and look at your life, what you share. It's what you love. So just think about what does that mean for how often my mouth opens up about Jesus? And I'm talking about all of your life. So I mean that with people that don't know Jesus. And I also just mean it with the people in this room and your spouse and your kids and everybody. Is your mouth open? Jesus brought us out of darkness into light so that we would proclaim his excellencies so that we would share his light with our words and, Peter says, with our lives. So Peter says, uh, once you were not a people, now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, which is to say, remember, this world is not your home. You're, you're on a journey You're in exile. This world isn't your home. There's a purpose for you. It's it's so important that we get that. It's so important that we get that there's a purpose. Peter says, look, I'm going to urge you to do something. And remember, you are a sojourner and an exile. You have a purpose. It's not your home. You're on a journey through this world. Think back to World War II. Remember Remember when we were there? Think back to World War II. Um, so all these soldiers get off the boats on Normandy, this beach in France. Now, what would have happened if they forgot that they had a purpose and they were just like, Oh, this is a nice beach. I'm in France. There's wine. I'm on the beach. No, there's a purpose. You're here, but this isn't Normandy is not your home. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a mission. You're here for a reason. You're passing through Normandy. You're not staying here. So Peter says, as sojourners and exiles, remember the whole reason you're here. There's a purpose. And he's going to urge us to do something. So he says, our, the whole thing is this. Our purpose is to share the light that we've been given. In our words, that's the proclamation. And then with our life. And I, I, I didn't want to put it on here just because of time's sake. But Jesus says the same thing with light. He says, to to his people, you are the light of the world. Shine it. Which is to say, what part of what Jesus is doing, with what Jesus is doing with the church is creating communities of light. Communities that show his light. Not just individuals, this is what Peter says too, but he's creating communities of light. You are the light of the world. So this is part of why we started a church. It's to create more and more pockets of light 
more and more communities of light that are like flashlights going into the darkness. And here's what, here's what Peter says. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to do two things with our lives. To abstain. So he says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. He goes at our hearts, our passions, our desires. Because that's where all of the negative stuff in our life flows from. He doesn't just say, don't do bad things. He says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. And the flesh is just a way to talk about the part of us that is not walking with God. That is not in line with God's spirit. It doesn't mean our actual physical flesh. But the passions of the flesh, the desires of the heart, that are not what God would want. And this can be anything. This can be passions for our own comfort over what God calls us to. Passions for our own security over what God calls us to. Passions for our own significance over what God calls us to. Passions for our own anything. He goes after the heart and says, abstain from the passions of your flesh. And then he says, they wage war against our soul. Which I've always found really interesting because passion, I mean, think about your passions. They feel good to you. Otherwise, you, they wouldn't be a passion. No one is passionate about putting their hand on a stove. I don't think. Unless you're trying to win Guinness records of stove touching. You're passionate about things that you're passionate about. Most obvious statement, right? You're passionate about those things that you're passionate about. That you care about and they seem good to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be passionate about them. But what Peter says is sounding paradoxical because he says, abstain from the things that feel good to you because they will be bad to you. Abstain from the passions of your flesh because they wage war against your soul. I mean, that's, I mean, if I told you, hey, I know there's this thing that's going to attack and kill your soul. You'd want to know what that is. I mean, that sounds bad. This is going to attack, it's going to wage war against your soul. The essence of who you are. Peter says, abstain from the passions of your flesh, the desires, the commitments, the loves that are outside of what God calls us to. Really, it's anything that we love and desire and are passionate about above God, which reveals itself in our lives. So he says, abstain, and then he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So abstain from some things, and then also conduct your life in a way that is honorable. He says, conduct your life among the Gentiles, people that are not part of God's family, So there's a sense of you are living among them and that they see our good deeds, which means it's visible. We're in people's lives that don't know Jesus. And we live honorable. What does that mean? Conduct our lives in an honorable way. It means to love, to serve, to share, to show Jesus's light. So this is our life. Peter says, share Jesus's light by proclaiming with your words and by living with your life so that people see that you're not living in the passions of your flesh and you are living in a way that's honoring and loving and serving 
And here's, again, an interesting paradox of what's going to happen when you do that. What's, I mean, if you were to go, man, what would happen if I lived perfect life of love? You would think, I would think, everybody will like me. Nope. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, wait a minute, I'm living honorable. I'm abstaining from these bad things. I'm living in a good way. I'm, I'm just trying to be light. They're going to speak against you as evildoers. Maybe you've had that experience. I have. Where you are actually living in a way that's following Jesus and people say you're evil. That's what Peter says will happen. So he doesn't say live this great life and it will be awesome. He says live in honor and love and serving other people and they're going to speak against you as evildoers. I think this is part of how you know if you're following Jesus actually. That there's kind of two responses that happen and they're both extreme. Either people say you're an evildoer or the next thing that Peter says is they glorify God. It's usually an extreme response. That's what happened with Jesus. People said, you're an evildoer. And other people said, wow, you're the son of God. I think the same thing happens in our life as God's spirit is within us. That as we walk with him and we live according to his spirit, people go, you're evil. And other people go, whoa, I need to know you're God. So Peter says, this will be the experience as we go to share light. And finally, the last reason of why do we do this? Why do we share this light? Why do we, I already referred to it just a second ago, why do we conduct ourselves in a certain way? Why do we abstain from the passions of the flesh? Why do we proclaim his excellencies? It's been throughout everything we've said. And it's the last thing that Peter says. He says that they may see your good deeds and to Paul, that they may see, they may hear your words, that their eyes would be open, and that there would be glory given to God. Now, what does that mean? Let's look at one final verse. Paul says this, and even if our gospel, and just think about this, kind of putting everything together. So the gospel, that's the proclamation, even if our good news about Jesus is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, he's talking about Satan, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. The gospel of what? Of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, there's the proclaim word, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here's what this says. This and with what Peter says. Peter says, there's this great so that God brings us out of darkness into light so that we proclaim his excellencies. And then we live our lives in such a way so that his excellencies are proclaimed that people glorify God. What is this glory of God, this light? It is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, which means this. People look at Jesus as unglorious. The word glory has the sense, it means weightiness. 
You know, an English word for this is matter. Like if something weighs a lot, it has a lot of material in it. It has matter to it. We say the word it matters, which means it's heavy. It's the same thing with glory. Glory means heaviness. So here's the condition of darkness. Jesus doesn't matter. He's not heavy. He doesn't weigh anything. He's unimportant. He's not the foundation. He's not the stone, as we talked about last week. He's not the center. He's not, he, he doesn't have, they, people might like him, people, but he doesn't, he's not heavy. And what Peter says is that we are to proclaim, we are to live so that people see the heaviness of God, which is to say how much he matters, to how he's foundation, how he's of first importance, that they see that in the face of Jesus. So that our whole job, our whole life is to show people the face of Jesus. We do that with our words and we do that with our lives. That people would see that God is glorious, that he matters as we tell them about Jesus. This is our greatest need. It's my greatest need, it's your greatest need, and it's the greatest need of everybody outside of these walls. It's to see that Jesus matters, that he's glorious, that he is that which is the most matter. And we see that when we get to know him. And back to what I said earlier, if you feel like, man, I, I don't proclaim his excellency, he's not glorious to you. He doesn't matter to you in the sense of he's the heaviest thing in your life. And so what do you do with that? You go back to him and you say, Jesus, forgive me. I confess you're not heavy to me. Be heavy to me. Let me see your glory in the face of Jesus. Show me. Let me see you, Jesus. Let me see how awesome you are that you brought me from darkness to light. Let me see that. This is why we started this church on our one-year birthday. This is why we started this church. We started a church to create a community of light where people can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And that means for people that are Christians, because this is our greatest need, it's to keep seeing how Jesus is everything. And then for people that don't know him, to be brought out of darkness. That's the purpose. Listen, that is my purpose and that is your purpose if you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian, your purpose is to be brought out of darkness into light so then you tell others. That's it. That's it. That's why we started this. That's why we do everything we do. That's it. Because this is what is heaviest. It's what matters the most. God wants to call people out of darkness into his light. He wants that light to then shine in our hearts so we see his face. That's it. That's everything. That is everything. That is everything. The glory of Jesus in The glory of God in the face of Jesus is everything. And our lives then are built to enjoy him and to share him. Is that what your life looks like? I want you to answer that question with God. Is that the so that of your life? Is the so that of your life 
proclaim his excellencies? And if it's not, do you see the face of Jesus? Because if you see his face, it will be. The answer isn't just go live so that. It's go see the face of Jesus. Do you see the face of Jesus? Which means, do you see the gospel? Do you see what he did for you on the cross? Do you see that he resurrected to bring you life and light and out of dark? Do you see it? We'll take communion. And as we take communion, we remember Jesus went into darkness to bring us light. That on the cross, Jesus took on darkness to make us a community of light. And as you come and take communion, this is not why this is here, but tonight it is. You see this candle. And just look at that light for a second. And remember that Jesus' death brought us light. And that just like this candle shares light, that that is why he gave us his death. So that we would proclaim that light. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you brought us out of death into life and that you brought us out of darkness into light. And I ask you, God, that if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know you, that tonight, as Peter said, you would call them out of darkness into light. God, I believe that you can do that because you say you will and do. And God, for any of us that know you, that are Christians, that are right now, even though you've called us out of darkness, we're still living as part of our lives are in darkness, whether that's hate or foolishness or ignorance or disobedience. God, even now, call people out of darkness into your light to experience your light, to see how glorious you are, to see how amazing you are, to see how loving and gracious you are. Thank you, Lord, for creating this community and I ask you that this would be a light both corporately together and individually Lord let us be a light God thank you that you've birthed this community that you've created a community of light let it be a bright light let us see your face and then share your light Jesus you are glorious you are good you are gracious Thank you for your marvelous light. Amen.